Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ruth Hennessy, Catchman's Manager with the Local Authority Water Programme, also known as Law Pro, who will be speaking to us today about protecting natural waters through catchment management. Ruth, you're very welcome to our webinar this morning. Thank you very much, Mark, and uh, I'm delighted and an honour to be invited to be here. Um, and Pat, we're also joined by Pat Murphy, uh, who is the head of the Chagask Environment Knowledge Transfer Programme. Pat, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mark. Great. So, Ruth, could you give us a little bit of background uh, on your, yourself? Your, your, this, uh, the, the Local Authority Waters Programme, it's a relatively new programme, is that right? It is, yes. Yeah. So we were established in, in 2018 um, on following the, the publication of the, the River Basin Management Plan. And, uh, and I suppose I'll, I'll go through that later on in the presentation. But yes, we're, we're a relatively new organisation and uh, we've, we've two teams, the catchment uh, assessment team, catchment scientists, and also the communities team. So great, yeah, great. there's a team of about 60 of us all together. Okay, great. Well, you'll be going into more detail in your presentation in, in a moment. So if I could ask you to share your screen with us and uh, we will hear your presentation. And a reminder to everybody, if you have a question that you'd like uh, me or Pat to put to Ruth afterwards um, or a point that you'd like to make, please do use the Q&A tab at the bottom of your screen and uh, we will put those questions to Ruth at the end of the presentation. So, Ruth, I'll hand over to you and uh, we'll talk to you after the presentation. So, yes, as, uh, as Mark said, my, my name is Ruth Hennessy. I'm, I'm the catchments manager for, and I'm based here in the southeast region with the Local Authority Waters Programme. And I, I suppose my, my role here is I'm leading a team of catchment scientists and, uh, and we're looking, at, uh, looking in detail, I suppose, at the areas that have been prioritised uh, in the southeast for... Um, for the second cycle of the River Basin Management Plan. And I'm going to talk about that and go through it in a little bit more detail as, as, as we go through the presentation. So I suppose my own personal background, my own background, I'm a, I suppose I'm an, an environmental scientist and uh, I've worked primarily in the areas of uh, pollution control, largely with local authorities and also industry over the last 20 years. So, uh, so I suppose I'm very familiar with the area and the, the kind of industry and, and the pressures and, uh, uh, that, that we have. So um, this uh, slide here, I suppose it, it needs no introduction really to the audience that, that's here this morning, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it before, or if not this, other versions of it. Um, and, and Jenny Deacon from the uh, Environmental Protection Agency Catchments Unit uh, would have spoken uh, a couple of weeks ago at this series um, about the, the water quality trends that, uh, that we're experiencing in Ireland. Um, so I won't spend too long here, but I suppose I just want to maybe set the scene just at the start of my talk. Um, I think it's just maybe an important reminder for us always. Um, the, I suppose as we know, you know, water quality isn't where it needs to be. Only 52.8% of all of our surface waters are, are at good or, or better ecological status, you know, where they need to be. So, you know, that, that's, uh, and, and I suppose that, that number continues to decline. Uh, Rivers in particular, um, only 53% of, of rivers are, are at good status, at good or high status. Uh, and this again, you know, is, is a, a drop again on previous years. Um, lakes have, while they have improved, they're still only at 50% at good or, or, or better status. Uh, and estuaries, I suppose, are in the worst condition at all, of all, with only 38% at good or, or better status. Um, so I suppose across, across all of those surface waters, uh, one of the, the worrying trends that we're seeing is, is the increase, uh, increasing concentrations or increasing levels of nutrients. Um, and by and large, it's, it's the nutrients that are, uh, I suppose, driving and, and resulting in those poor status uh, results and, and those less than good status results. I suppose within that, within the, that overall picture, there's quite a few stories that could be told uh, I suppose one of, the, one of the main ones, I suppose, is around high status. So these are the pristine, uh, very high standard, uh, high quality sites, the ones that are generally uh, unimpacted by, by anthropogenic activities. Um, and these are uh, continuing to decline. Uh, and, and that is, a, it's a worrying trend. You know, these are important, I suppose they're, they're reference sites, they're uh, important reservoirs uh, of biodiversity as well, and they're important to 
to help, I suppose, re-establish good status in, in downstream areas as well. It's important that we have these high status areas and the diversity that exists within them. Um, at the other end of the scale, I suppose, we, fortunately, we don't have too many bad status sites, although I did, did notice in the last cycle uh, reporting that there was a couple of additional new sites that gone in there into that bad status category. But it's the poor status ones that, uh, again, the trend there is showing that they're continuing to increase. Uh, and moderate as well is, you know, it's, it's, I suppose, going up rather than going down. So, you know, those, those trends are, are, they all need to be addressed. I suppose these are occurring despite, you know, a, a lot of increased regulation and everybody here would be familiar with the increased regulation that has, that has uh, I suppose, come into place in the last, uh, in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, such as the Nitrates Action Programme, the Good Agricultural Practice Regulations, and also, I suppose, wastewater and point sources are, are, are highly regulated now um, by either local authorities or, or in the larger industries uh, and facilities are all licensed generally by the Environmental Protection Agency. And I suppose it's also worth noting and remind, reminding ourselves that there has been a lot of investment too in environmental protection uh, measures and infrastructure between farm uh, at farm scale and farm level, but also uh, on infrastructure. But despite all of that, uh, it still isn't enough to uh, address these trends and to, to reverse them. So, um, so a different approach really is needed uh, and we, we need to do more than what we have been doing for the last number of years. So the River Basin Management Plan is, is it's Ireland's strategy to, to deal with uh, water quality improvement. And it is, uh, it's the, um, it's a requirement of the Water Framework Directive and the Water Framework Directive, it's a, a European uh, legislation that I suppose requires all member states to protect and restore uh, water to good and, and high status where it is. So, um, so this, this plan, the, published in 2018, it set out that new approach um, and uh, it introduced and provided for the, I suppose, the establishment of the, our office, the Local Authority Waters Programme and also for the Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advice Programme, which is a, a joint programme um, uh, and consists of a team of 30 uh, agricultural advisors, sustainability advisors, uh, and it's a joint enterprise with uh, Chagas and the dairy industries. Um, I think it's worth noting really that this is a unique collaboration, uh, I suppose, between Chagas, the advisory services, and also the dairy industry and, and the public sector. So I think it's a very important partnership um, approach. Uh, there's, um, there's great opportunities for knowledge sharing and understanding. Um, uh, and, it's, um, and the model is very much of, uh, one of partnership. And uh, I suppose in my own opinion, it, I think it is critical to securing water quality improvements. But this kind of network and this kind of close cooperation and collaboration is, is critical to, to ensure um, we, we, I suppose, bring about the kind of change that we need and I suppose that everybody understands and everybody uh, is, is delivering the same messages. Uh, I know that Noel, actually Noel Meehan and Joe Crockett are, are going to be here at this series next week to tell us a little bit more about that, um, about the ASAP programme. Uh, I suppose I'm not going to delay too long here, um, but I suppose it is just worth mentioning that uh, so today I'm, I'm talking specifically about the work of the Local Authority Waters Programme and, and what we're doing to, to restore water quality in areas that are, um, I suppose, have been impacted. But that's just one of the measures that's detailed in the River Basin Management Plan. And I suppose there are many others in that plan as well that set out uh, and detail how Ireland uh, continues to protect water quality. So not least, you know, the regulations around domestic wastewater treatment, inspections and grants, uh, also the, the Nitrates Action Programme uh, and the Good Agricultural Practice Regulations, as well as licensing of discharges, point source, sources, um, the capital investment programmes there by Irish Water. Those are all measures to, to protect and, and, and improve also uh, water quality. Forestry schemes and others, they're all there and, and they're detailed in, in the, uh, the River Basin Management Plan. So back to, to the, the Local Authority Waters Programme there and to, to our office. Um, as I said, it's, um, it's uh, a local authority shared service. Um, it was established in 2018 following the uh, publication of the, the River Basin Management Plan. And uh, it consists, as I said, of two teams, the, the local authority, the catchments assessment team, which is the team uh, that I, I'm part of, 
and also the communities team. Altogether, there's around 60 of us. Uh, this chart here actually needs to be updated. I can see the, uh, the blue dot scientist is missing from the, the catchment scientist team. And also we've uh, 13 community water officers now. Um, so local authorities are, are, I suppose, have been assigned the responsibility in the legislation for coordinating um, and implementing the uh, river basin, coordinating the implementation of the river basin management plan. And I suppose it's, it's, that task is achieved collectively um, by the local authority waters program on behalf of all of the local authorities in, in across the country. So, so we're very much working on, on, on their behalf. So that coordination is achieved largely through the through five regional committees uh, across the country. Um, the regional operational committees, uh, that structure it's, it's chaired by uh, the local authorities, but it's also at operational level, it's made up of representatives of all of the, the public, the relevant public and implementing bodies in the region. So this slide here, it's, it's an example of all of the agencies who are members of those regional operational committees. This one here is, is from the southeast. Uh, it's, it's not an exclusive list here and uh, as I'm looking at it I'm hoping I haven't missed anybody uh, obvious from it. Um, but it's, it's very much uh, I suppose at the heart of, of the work that we're doing and it's, it's a very important network and it's a platform for sharing information and also for reviewing progress on implementation in priority areas but also the work of the community water officers across the, across the whole of the region as well is uh, very much draws on the resources um, and the knowledge base from these, um, and, uh, from these agencies. Uh, and it very much, uh, I suppose, builds on the, the saying or, or relies on, you know, typifies this really, mean art with Carla Kayla, you know, that, with, with, uh, that there's great strength and unity and working together we can achieve so much more. So as I said, the communities team, that there's uh, the two teams, the communities team and, and the catchment scientists. Uh, and we're spread across uh, the whole country and that map actually shows the location of, of the offices across the country. So just to talk maybe just for a couple of minutes about the communities team um, and the work that they do. Um, I suppose they, they work with communities on, on water related projects and I suppose they work with communities at any level uh, on any type of project really that that community are, are interested in delivering. Um, they, I suppose they work to build capacity within groups as well um, so that you know that they can develop and take on larger projects as well as time goes on. So here I suppose one of the, one of the examples as well of, of uh, one of the initiatives that the communities team and the funding office have, have uh, developed is a, a prize uh, on the in the tidy towns competition and this is sponsored jointly sponsored by inland fisheries and waterways ireland i think actually this is on pause for this year but but it will come back again i think it's a, a victim of covid um, and i suppose tidy towns groups along with angling groups are probably some of the most active community groups across the country and, and they're a great resource and a great network uh, and they're also very uh, i suppose conscientious and, and ambitious as well and have great ideas and great energy. Uh, the pictures at the bottom there are I suppose, taken from some of the exams, some of the uh, projects or some of the events that the community water officer in the southeast and Phelan has been involved in. Uh, the one there on the left is, is a, yeah, a biodiversity talk uh, in the Anne Valley in Waterford during Heritage Week, week last year. The one in the middle there is a, a project that Fran Igo, my colleague here in, uh, in Locro, has been uh, working on with Waterford County Council, with Paul Carley, Waterford County Council, and it's a, a captive breeding program or a, a breeding assisted breeding program for the freshwater pearl mussel in the Clodia River in Port Law in County Waterford. Um, on the right there then is uh, some volunteers in, in the Johns River in, uh, in Waterford litter picking and these are angling and kayakers uh, who are you know, in the river on a Saturday morning picking litter out. So other uh, projects and other uh, things that the communities team have going on during COVID, they, had a, they ran a stories from the waterside competition. Uh, again, looking, asking people to, to share their stories uh, and share their memories of, of their local river. Uh, the theme there was if these waters could talk. So I think the, the judging of this is nearly complete actually. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what, uh, to, to reading the stories that, uh, that have been submitted and the prize winning ones. And also, um, 
the local the communities team have worked with leader on developing guidance for community groups on um, on, on projects on, on developing projects uh, ideas for projects but also uh, on guidance on navigating their way through through those funding programs that are there uh, leader is a very significant funding program that uh, community groups can access to to help them deliver projects um, but uh, and this guidance uh, you know it helps them to specifically access money that can be used for for community for environmental uh, works not just uh, environment but also biodiversity the community fund the community water fund is a development fund is another uh, major element of the community's team and it's it's a relatively small fund um, but it can be it's used to support uh, communities to in water related projects and initiatives uh, this is uh, an example of uh, details I suppose, of the applications that were received in 2020 uh, called for funding which uh, was earlier this year so as you can see there the, the largest number of them uh, of projects relate to kind of awareness and education type projects uh, but there is a, a very wide range of projects there and of initiatives from people looking for, for funding you know from those awareness and education but also ecological surveys habitat enhancement works as well in stream also some citizen science uh, projects there as well so the range of uh, I suppose of working and and uh, engagements that the communities team have had it is very diverse uh, and I suppose it's they very much will respond to the uh, the type of community that uh, that they're dealing with and also you know I suppose uh, the, their own capacity and ability um, and, and then working with them as well to maybe build that capacity as time goes on so back then to the, the catchment assessment team and to, to the team that I work with primarily. Um, and I suppose, as I said, we are focused on uh, the 190 areas, these 190 area prior areas, prioritized areas for action. I, I trick myself up with the acronyms sometimes. Um, these are the areas that have been selected in this uh, cycle of the River Basin Management Plan. They're detailed in the River Basin in that plan, that 2018 to 2021 plan. Um, and uh, and these are the areas that we're work is, working in and focused on. I suppose these areas were um, they were selected um, by uh, the the local authority-led regional structures that, that I spoke about earlier, and they were selected for for the that plan, um, and they were selected following um, I suppose on, on the basis or in the following consideration of the EPA scientific analysis, the analysis work that they would have done. Uh, on these areas and about the areas that are uh, I suppose, at risk of not meeting uh, the water quality, the water framework collective standards. Um, and they were also selected using, I suppose, considering other principles such as uh, uh, protecting uh, and restoring high status protected areas also. Uh, it was a, a, I suppose a consideration as well to start in headwaters first, start in the upstream areas. There's no point, I suppose, starting in the estuary. Um, and also uh, another consideration was, was building on, on existing work and uh, programs that were already in place. So as I said, altogether there's 190 of these across the country um, and that overall it's 726 water bodies. Um, also, also as was from that initial analysis done by the, the Environmental Protection Agency, we, we know that agriculture has been identified as, as a significant pressure in about 359 of these. But most of these water bodies will, will have multiple stressors or multiple activities that are, uh, are putting pressure on, on water quality in these areas. So what do we do then, the, the Local Authority Waters uh, Programme, and what do our assessments look like? I suppose what we call the process that we do and the assessment that we do, we call it local catchment assessment. And uh, I suppose the next series of slides I'm going to, to take you through that, uh, that process, what it looks like and the various elements and stages in it. It starts with a desk study here um, on the, so the right hand side of that, uh, that circle. You can see that it starts with a desk study and uh, the desk study, it allows the catchment scientists to develop a, catch, a conceptual understanding of the catchment based on the principle of, of source pathway receptor. Uh, so the next stage of, of the, the process is, uh, is a community meeting. Um, and it's a very important element of, of the, the process as well. And it's, it's an opportunity to share information and, and to share our understanding of what's going on in the catchment with community stakeholders. And also to learn a little bit more about what might be going on in a particular catchment. Very often we, we, there would be very uh, 
interesting insights uh, can be can be gathered at those community community meetings. So then we start um, we field work. We gather evidence to confirm, I suppose, what, where the river is impacted and, and how significantly it's impacted as well. I suppose this allows us then to develop and design measures with with various pressure rollers, where we identify that agri agriculture is the significant pressure. Um, the uh, agricultural advisors from the ASAP team will visit the farmers, uh, do a detailed farm assessment and, and identify the measures that are needed to be implemented, that need to be implemented on that farm, on that particular location. I suppose generally this process is made quite linear, as I'm suggesting here, and in these agricultural catchments particularly, the, um, we would work very closely with the ASAP advisor from very early on in, in the process, um, and the ASAP advisor would be involved really, and, and I suppose, in, developing their understanding as well of the catchment from the very beginning at the desk study stage and they will be involved in the community meeting as well. So by the time we get to uh, complete field work and, and get to the stage where we're identifying and agreeing on measures, both the catchment scientist and the advisor have, have been working closely together and have both had a clear understanding of the story and the particular issues that are going on in the catchment. So the first stage of that desk study then, the desk study is the, is the first piece of work that we do, is um, we have to, I suppose, pull together all of the pieces of information that, that uh, exist and are available uh, about the area that we're working in and about the priority area. So for, for most of these water bodies um, in, in priority areas, there's already a lot of information. Um, the, the Water Framework Directive monitoring program is quite extensive and the data that's gathered from that is our first stop. So this is the, the receptor information effectively. Uh, the biological monitoring data, so this is the Q scores, it's, this is key to uh, status determination. And um, uh, I suppose many of these sites will also have uh, chemistry information, which, uh, and these are the elements that support status and are necessary to support you know, good ecological status. So things like nutrient levels, also oxygen levels, uh, indicators of organic pollution as well, BOD and things like that. So these, uh, so we can look and see then what what environmental quality standards are breached, how far, you know, I suppose what are the trends like, how far are those concentrations that we're seeing, how far are they from the thresholds, what level of, of reduction and improvement is needed in each of these areas. It's important also, I suppose, to look at the catchments as a whole. Uh, and particularly when we know that the problem is, is, is driven by nutrients. Um, so this example here, it's from, uh, it's the work of one of my colleagues, Owen McAleer. Um, and here, uh, I'm not quite sure, I think, I don't know how clear it is there. But here, um, I suppose what Owen is looking at is, is nitrate, um, and he's looking at the entire subcatchment. So the, the river is flowing from the south, and it's flowing north, northeast there. Um, but he, he's following, I suppose, the, uh, the concentrations of nitrates can see that, you know, as you're moving from one water body down to the next and, and, and by the time you get to the, the last one, the concentrations of nitrate increase, increase throughout. But then I suppose looking at it in a little bit more detail and looking at the relative contribution of each of the, of each of the individual water bodies, you can see that, uh, you can see which ones are, are contributing most uh, and contributing the largest load. So this, I suppose, allows us to, to identify, you know, I suppose, almost like a, the, the nutrient excess and the nutrient balance for, for each of these areas. And it allows us to target the measures and identify what exactly is needed and what level of reduction uh, is needed in, in each of the areas. Um, the next part of, of that process of developing um, of, of that source pathway receptor, uh, I suppose, continuum is looking at, at the um, looking at the pathways. And it's a, it is an essential part of, of the understanding of what's going on. Um, and, and it's about, you know, I suppose, understanding how water flows within a catchment. And I suppose, as we know from previous speakers, um, the two nutrients that are of largest concern in the country, um, phosphorus and nitrogen, they behave very differently in the landscape. Um, and I suppose by examining and understanding uh, I suppose the landscape, we can predict what we're likely to see and what and what issue is likely to be driving status in a particular catchment. So by using uh, the aquifer and soils maps that are, that are available from GSI and other sources, we can see, you know, for example, we can see where the poorly productive aquifers and heavy soils um, are, and these are the areas where surface water runoff 
and overland flow pathways are likely to dominate. And in turn, these are the areas that we're likely to see phosphorus in excess and where phosphorus may be a concern. And also, I suppose, in turn, you know, the looking at well-drained areas dominated by those productive aquifers and well-drained um, free-draining soils are the areas where we're more likely to see nitrate occurring. Um, um, so this is, the, I suppose, the aim of this is to continually fine-tune our understanding of the catchment and particularly of where the problems are occurring um, and what problems are occurring and again, where they are occurring in particular. So then the final stage maybe of, the, of that assessment um, in the death study is to look at the pressures and to look at the activities uh, in a catchment that could be a potential source. Um, so we call them the pressures. So the Environmental Protection Agency have developed an, a number of risk tools that uh, integrate both the pathway and source information. Um, so what we're seeing here is the, the what we call the pit maps. So that one there on the right is, is a pit map of phosphorus. So what it shows, you know, is, is where there's the highest risk of phosphorus loss due to, to stocking rates and also to the geological conditions that we described earlier. Um, and there's a similar map for, um, for domestic wastewater treatment and septic tanks, you know, based on the same principles. But I suppose what we have to remember here and, you know, something we're, we're constantly reminding ourselves that these risk maps are very useful um, and they're a great guide to, to help inform and, and also to guide field work. But risk doesn't equal impact. So just because there's a risk of, of impact occurring, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is occurring. So, um, so the field work is, is needed to confirm what impact is actually occurring. We can also then examine in detail the pressures. You know, there's a lot of information about particular pressures in, that are going on in catchments. So this is an example here from, uh, from Tipperary, from the, the Dead River actually, in, in Tipperary, near Tipperary town, it's, it's Limerick Junction. Um, and it's a, an example of a wastewater treatment plant. So the red star in the picture there is, is the location of the wastewater treatment plant. And the, the yellow at, at the top uh, of that catchment, that water body, is, is the monitoring point. So that's effectively the compliance point for, uh, for, that, uh, for that water body. And we know that phosphorus is, is in excess in this catchment. We know that the, uh, the phosphorus level here, it, it exceeds the environmental quality standard for good status by over double you know, what, what it should be. So we, we know that the, the load reduction that's needed in this catchment, we know that it's a significant load reduction of, in the order of about 1,600 kilograms of phosphorus per year. But we know as well from, from the data that's available that the wastewater treatment plant here contributes about 240 of those kilograms per year. So, it's, uh, you know, so we, that allows us to, I suppose, to assess the, the relative proportion uh, and I suppose the relative contribution of the different pressures in the catchments. So from that, we can tell that the wastewater treatment plant alone there is not, you know, that's not the only um, pressure, that there are other issues going on at that catchment and that they will need to be addressed. You know, that looking at the wastewater treatment plant on its own isn't going to solve the problem in that catchment. So, so and the point sources, we have a lot of information on point sources that, that can allow us to make this kind of an assessment at death study stage. But also, you know, we also need to validate this when we go out on the ground because when we go out, very often what we might find with a point source that, that maybe, the, particularly maybe wastewater treatment plants, that maybe it's overflows or, or other aspects of the plant that could be causing a problem or uh, if they're very close to the wastewater treatment plant or there's some shock loadings, uh, they, can, they, can also be, uh, they can also be significant. So I suppose ultimately this, the purpose of the desk study is to build a picture and tell a story of what's happening and also to design, it allows us to design a fieldwork program that, um, you know, that targets those, to, that targets the particular areas where we expect to, to see impact based on, um, based on what we see. So the next stage of the, the process is a community meeting. And again, you know, this is a very important part of the process. It allows us to, to share the information and, and tell people about the program. This, these series of uh, photographs here are actually from the first meeting that we ever held, the first public meeting. It was for the Athai uh, area in, in Athai. And um, I remember it was, there was a lot of um, I suppose concern at the time from maybe uh, the programme was new, the, uh, and the whole initiative was new. And there was a lot of concern from some, uh, from the agricultural community in particular about, I suppose, about 
uh, cross compliance and, uh, and inspections and there was a, a small bit of fear. So the meeting gave us an opportunity to explain the whole process, to explain the programme and to explain that the ASAP services is a free and confidential one. It's not in, in linked to inspections or compliance and that the aim here is to secure improvements by, um, by voluntary measures. And it really helped to allay people's fears, I think, at the time. Uh, these meetings actually have been a victim of, of COVID and obviously we can't do these community meetings uh, at the moment. So we had our first Zoom community meeting actually on Wednesday night with the Johns River in Waterford, definitely I think a sign of the times. So another uh, part of the process is the um, uh, farmers meetings. Uh, so this meeting is hosted by, by the ASAP advisors and the Department of Agriculture have uh, contacted all landowners in uh, areas to invite them to this meeting. Uh, and again, it's, it's another opportunity to explain the programme. It, they, we usually hold the uh, farmer meeting on the side of the river like this. We generally have uh, done a kick sample and, and bring it as well, bring a, a tray of, of invertebrates. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very useful tool to, to kind of get people talking and explain the, um, the purpose of the programme. So uh, I suppose at that stage, then we're, we're ready to, to go out in the field and do and start doing field work. So this here is a, a picture of my colleague, uh, Cormac in, in Galway and Cormac is looking here into, into a tray of, of invertebrates trying to see, uh, to see what's here. Uh, one of the, uh, we have a number of, of, of different fieldwork techniques or tools where we, that we use to, to gather information, um, uh, um, on, on, to gather information about where, you know, where the water, where the river is impacted. So the, uh, SSIS, the small stream impact score is one, so that's looking at the invertebrates, um, the, the bugs basically that live in the, the bed of the river and you know, as people probably know these are a really good indicator of water quality. We also look you know, at, at the likes of macroalgae, macrophytes um, uh, and also the, the physical condition of the river. Um, the, I suppose, vegetation that grows in the river is no different to the vegetation growing anywhere and it's going to respond to nutrient. So uh, again, you know, these are really good signs and really good indicators to show where impacts are occurring. And also, I suppose, because you know, they're, they're, we don't always have the luxury maybe of, of long-term monitoring programs. So we are very much reliant on, on these, these uh, particularly the biological indicators, as well as chemistry, but particularly the bi biological indicators can give us uh, you know, a good snapshot of, of how the condition of the river is and has been for a period of time. Um, a picture there of, of the, uh, I suppose, of, of, of the river and the physical condition of the river and, you know, it's a stretch that looks like it's, it's been channelised to, to some extent and it, it doesn't have it, its original natural form. So, uh, and again, that information is, is, is recorded and, and, um, and captured. So here again, I suppose, an, an example of, of, um, of what we see in fieldwork, and this is actually the same stretch of river um, and photographed over a period of actually only 12 months. So, uh, and I suppose it's a good example of, of the, uh, the issues that we're seeing in particular catchments and, uh, and also of the importance of, of the desk study and, and also the importance of validating that with fieldwork. So this is a catchment where, you know, based on, on the information available, we would have expected to see a nutrient problem, in particular the uh, nitrate in this catchment. But uh, when catchment scientists went out, um, it was obvious that, um, that sediment actually was a particular uh, problem in this catchment. It was, it was I suppose, really, uh, I suppose, impeding uh, the, the, the biological potential of the, of, the, of the river. And we weren't seeing the kind of, the kind of diversity that we would need uh, for a good status site. So uh, this is kind of, I suppose, typical of, of the, the practices in this area where uh, the, 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 this is the river channel and it's maintained and, and cleared regularly throughout, um, you know, throughout, uh, I suppose, over a number of years. And uh, I suppose the photograph on the, I suppose the middle photograph shows the, uh, I suppose, the, the work in progress. And, you know, while that work was going on, there would have been a huge amount of sediment probably released into the river and it would have moved downstream. And, you know, that sediment is, is, uh, is a significant stressor. And it's a significant problem in in uh, in, in uh, and can, I suppose really reduce the status. But the photograph on the right then is is, is twelve months later, and it shows you know I suppose that the uh, that I suppose that immediate risk from from sediment has you know has gone. The vegetation has has uh, 
has returned and, and it's, it's, um, has, you know, as well stabilised effectively that, that loose sediment. But I suppose one of the questions that we that we have is, you know, is, is it sustainable, you know, for, for um, and is, can this be sustained? And, you know, is that landowner likely to want to maybe go back in there again in a few years' time to, to clear it again, you know? And the, the problem and the reason why it was cleared in the first instance may, may still be there, you know, whether... Um, so, you know, there's a long-term strategy needed for these kind of rivers and, you know, I suppose guidance as well for, for people on, on maintaining them um, so that, you know, that perhaps that it's done in stages and that not all of it will be done at the same time so that you can, can control, control and limit the level of impact. Um, another, I suppose, just a, a couple of final slides here now on, on field work. Um, and again, you know, this is... Um, an example from one of my colleagues in, in the, the Midlands and East team. And uh, again, just maybe a stretch um, of, uh, into a water body where they, uh, during summer field work, identified that sediment again was a significant issue. Um, and it was an area then that they targeted for uh, assessment during, during the winter months and during heavy rainfall to identify as most critical source areas to see areas where uh, water and sediment was being lost from the landscape. So, you know, with a, a bit of uh, good planning and uh, weather watching, they, uh, I suppose they were out following uh, rainfall and they could see uh, and were able to identify, you know, the, the, the locations and the, uh, I suppose the low points in the landscape and the, the weak vulnerable points uh, where there's no buffer margins and uh, and where those losses are occurring. And these are the critical source areas for, for sediment in this area. And I suppose in, in this instance, you know, what's, what's required here is, is measures to, to break pathways and, and prevent these kind of losses from occurring. And largely riparian buffers would, would, would go a long way here. So at the end of, of field work, I suppose what uh, the catchment scientists then have to do, do is to, to work out and establish what what measures um, are required to address the issues that we are seeing, and these are the referrals. So the referral is it, it's essentially it describes the actions or measures that are required uh, to be implemented, and the issues that uh, that need to be um, and the, the issues that need to be addressed. So they're very much informed by the conceptual understanding that's been established at the desk study, and also supported by the evidence that has been gathered during fieldwork. Um, they're agreed with the implementing body. And where that activity is, is agriculture, the referral is agreed with the, the relevant ASAP advisor. Um, the advisor then will go and meet farmers in those particular areas and do a detailed, very detailed farm assessment with that farmer. And I suppose at that stage, then they, you know, that's an opportunity for the advisor to, to get a very good understanding of the, the kind of enterprise um, and, and farm operation that's going on. And also to understand, I suppose, what are the weak points and maybe the vulnerabilities of of that activity and of that uh, of the practice that might be there, you know, is it you know I suppose where the vulnerabilities are, whether there's sufficient storage, whether there, it's a farm that you know I suppose maybe is continually under pressure to uh, to 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 get out early in the in the uh, with slurry in the season at the very end of the close season. So you know these are all of uh, the kind of information that the, the advisor can. Uh, uh, will, will I suppose, take, get, get from the farmer during that farm assessment and you know using the knowledge that they have then from the, the field work that we've done and from the referral here they'll be able to identify well what particular um, I suppose aspects of that farm uh, operation are the ones that are contributing to the water quality issues in the catchment and that then they will with that farmer design the specific measures that are, are required on that farm and that need to be implemented so those measures are agreed individually uh, for each of those farms. And I suppose where the farmer doesn't necessarily agree or maybe can't implement a particular measure, that information is also captured by, by the advisor because I suppose it's critically important that we understand where those, I suppose, what are those barriers to implementation as well and to uh, securing the kind of measures that are necessary. You know, and, and that kind of information is will inform, I suppose, uh, review of the review of implementation and the, the review of, of, of the success of the programme as well, and, and also policy in the future. Ruth, if I could ask you to, to maybe... Um, Finish up. Your, ...your finishing slides, uh, because we're, we're, we can use your time on uh, questions. Of course, Mark, sorry. Now, I'm, I'm actually nearly there, and I'll, sure. and I'll slide through this. Thank you. So, um, 
progress so far, I won't delay here too long. Um, of the, we've started in, in nearly all of the areas uh, that, we've in, that were sort of priority areas. Uh, we have a field work has been restricted by, by COVID-19. Um, and as well, we will be carrying on maybe a lot of, of the work uh, into the third cycle as well. Um, and the, um, uh, and I suppose there will be another round of, um, or another series of areas uh, selected and identified for the third cycle. Um, and they will be published, uh, I understand that they will be published in and um, detailed in the draft river basin management plan, which is due out at the end of the year. So finally, I suppose, yeah, we have made a great start in the early signs of positive, I think, and we are seeing water quality improvements in these priority areas. And while many of these improvements might have occurred before, I suppose, LawPro started and, and would have resulted from, from actions that started prior to us, one of the main positives that I see in the programme is the very high level of engagement that we're seeing and participation that we're seeing from all of the stakeholders. Um, and I think that there's definitely an appetite for this kind of a support and, and collaborate, collaborative kind of approach. I suppose there were many challenges as well, and it's important that we monitor the effectiveness of the measures that are being implemented so that we can you know, evolve and adapt and improve the measures as well where we need to. I suppose we also need to expand the toolkit of measures that we have and we have access to, and particularly maybe in the area of nitrate, um, the trend there is particularly challenging. Um, there are opportunities too, uh, and we need to be mindful of those and to, um, I suppose, to, to secure as well measures that are going to, I suppose, result in multiple benefits, particularly in the area of climate change and, and biodiversity. So I suppose as the saying goes, there's a, a lot done and a lot more to do. So I think that'll, I'll, I'll finish at that mark and, and hand back to you and uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Ruth, thanks so much for that. That's an uh, excellent presentation. Um, and uh, you, you've, you've teed up uh, next week's uh, talk very nicely, uh, where we'll be talking to Noel Meehan and uh, Joe Crockett about the, the ASAP programme. Uh, we're getting lots of questions in here. Um, so we're, we're just, uh, I mean, I, I suppose my, my immediate question you mentioned at the end that has been generally a positive reaction among stakeholders. I mean, is, is that uh, across the board, would you say, Ruth, that, you know, how has the reaction been to, amongst uh, farmers and stakeholders to the programme? I think generally it's, um, it is very positive. Um, and I think, you know, I suppose everybody, farmers in particular, they do see the need, you know, that, um, I suppose, farming, that they need to be able to demonstrate, and that as a country we need to be able to demonstrate that, that our farm practices are sustainable um, and that they're not, you know, that they're not having a detrimental impact on, on the environment. And I don't think anybody, you know, intends or, you know, wants to cause damage, um, you know, or, or, or wants to, uh, to, to, to cause impact. So, you know, for the most part, you know, people are, are in, you know, entirely supportive of the programme and, you know, and are also willing to, to find out what, what, what can they do and, and what measure can they implement. You know, definitely there are challenges for farmers as well. And, you know, uh, one of the frequent questions is about supports and grants, perhaps, to, to help them. Um, maybe put some of the measures in place, you know, so, you know, there are definitely challenges there too. You showed a slide there where um, a farmer, I, I presume a landowner, did some drainage work um, on a, on a um, or, you know, cleaning a drain and there was sediment issues as a result of that. Uh, what would be the ideal situation there uh, if you were, uh, if that farmer, for instance, or landowner had come to you and said, look, we're, we're looking at doing some drainage work here. What, what sort of advice would you have given them in that case? Yeah, this is, um, I suppose this is a particularly challenging area and it's one that I know the department are looking at as well and looking at, at I suppose, maybe developing, you know, and maybe fine-tuning the guidance that's already there to ensure, you know, that uh, we, we are mitigating and, and managing the risks associated with this kind of practice. But for the most part, I suppose, what, you know, we've been looking at and advising people do is, and, and also, I suppose, looking at the fisheries. Fisheries have, have guidance in this area because, you know, for, for river channels, uh, it can have a, a significant impact on, on fish life and aquatic life. Um, but for the most part, I suppose, what we would look, ask people to do is to minimise the, I suppose, the level of, of uh, I suppose, sediment that's going to be released and mobilised. You know, and it could involve maybe not doing all of the sections at once or doing it in stages to, you know, so that you're not releasing vast amounts of, of, of sediment. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a particularly challenging one, and particularly in areas where, I suppose, this practice has, has gone on for quite, you know, for generations probably, um, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it can be a difficult one to, uh, to get, uh, you know, to get change. Mm -hmm. 
As I see a, a few questions coming through on the, the reporting of, of water quality and, and yeah. LIDAR. And, and a couple of, I suppose one of the, the questions that's come through are, are will the assessments uh, that are being carried out be publicly available uh, for people to, to see? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose LawPro, we do intend to uh, publish information on the progress and measures that are implemented. And I suppose what we'll be doing is, is, is um, making that available at, at a water body scale. So, you know, I suppose there is um, maybe privacy issues around individual areas. And, and also, I suppose, the, the fact that the, the ASAP programme, one of the, the central tenants of it is that it is, you know, it's a free and confidential service that, um, that, that is being provided to farmers. So for the most part, the, the information that we're going to provide uh, will be at a, at a water body scale. Um, and it's, I suppose we haven't, this is, it's not necessarily available yet and we are currently, I suppose, redesigning our website, but we, it is, um, it would be made available there. And uh, I suppose we do recognize that this kind of feedback and uh, inform information back to communities, it is a critically important part of the process and of the cycle. And it is a, it's a priority for us to, to be able to, uh, to deliver that. And I suppose a related question in relation to uh, I suppose the assessment of the impacts, are you planning or have you started the process of going back into the catchments where you have where work has been ongoing to monitor what changes are, are happening? And there was a, another question in relation to the, the uh, water quality sampling in, the, in those areas and how is that being managed to, to assess ongoing uh, water quality? Yeah, I suppose in the first instance, the um, I suppose the, the water framework directive monitoring program is, uh, you know, it's got ongoing all of the time. Um, so you know that, that that is there, and that that will uh, I suppose hopefully I suppose uh, record improvements in time. But we do know that it would be important to go back as well and to to measure um, and to I suppose to look specifically maybe at the areas that we know have been impacted and to see are we seeing improvement there. But I suppose in the first instance, before we would even do that. Um, you know, it, it's important to capture the information on, on measures that are being implemented, you know, through, through farm visits and, and revisiting those farms as well to uh, ensure that, uh, that the measures have been implemented. And, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of, uh, I suppose, a lag time sometimes in those, uh, you know, in, that measures can maybe not always implemented in the first year uh, and it could take a second year. But yes, we, we, have, we are currently designing a programme to go back and uh, to assess the, the effectiveness, I suppose, of the program overall, and to uh, to see and to confirm where measures are working, and then also to show as well where they're not working and where they need, uh, you know, I suppose maybe either a better understanding or a different measure, or what we thought initially isn't, you know, I suppose maybe needs to, uh, I suppose, further assessment. Okay, uh, there's a couple of questions in relation to the identification of uh, critical source areas at, at farm level. Uh, what are what is being done in terms of identifying these areas, and is there any possibility of the use of lidar to to assist this process? Yeah, there's. Um, I suppose we're 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 fortunate to benefit from I suppose a lot of the research projects that are going on at the moment as well, and there is. Uh, specifically a, a, a research project um, that the EPA and, and others are, are involved in at the moment and it is specifically looking at, um, at critical source areas and, and uh, identifying those in the landscape so uh, and they're producing a, a set of tools um, that are based on, 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 on the likes of LIDAR and other uh, inputs so we will be we will be I suppose using those and, uh, and taking those and developing them further um, I, I understand that that project is, is uh, going to deliver shortly um, and, and we will be uh, examining those closer. So yeah, I suppose any, any tool that will uh, help with that process is, 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 will be really valuable because it will help pinpoint and, and narrow down the area where measures need to be implemented and it will assist the design of those measures as well and, and the effectiveness of them. Okay, there's, you, you mentioned during the talk about the, the or you, you showed maps in relation to uh, septic tanks. Um, what supports are available for uh, people with septic tanks to deal with issues that they might have? Yeah, thanks actually, um, Pat, for that. I forgot to mention the, the septic tank grant scheme. Um, it is one of the, uh, the other measures that's detailed in, in the River Basin Management Plan and the, the last government actually announced details of the extension 
of the existing septic tank uh, grant scheme uh, there last month. So the extension is applies to um, people with septic tanks in, um, in high status objective water body areas. So uh, in those areas, people with a faulty septic tank and a septic tank that's causing a problem can, can apply for a grant to, to get it remedied. And also uh, there's another grant scheme for, for people with septic tanks in, in priority areas for action. And so where we, um, the catchment assessment team, where we identify septic tanks that are uh, a risk to the environment uh, in our field work and in our assessment work, um, where we identify those septic tanks as, as potentially problematic, we will be notifying those land, those householders and uh, property owners of their uh, potential eligibility for that grant scheme and, and that then they, uh, they can get their septic tank assessed and, and identify what improvements need to, to be done to it. Uh, and they will be uh, potentially eligible for that grant. So, you know, that, that's a great initiative in, in those areas um, and it will definitely help householders. Uh, previous grant schemes were, were means tested um, so there, this one isn't isn't going to be means tested. Ruth, I was um, I was looking at the program for government there the other day. I see specific reference to the the ASAP program and many measures relating to water quality. Uh, you know, we, we're we're looking coming up to a review of the common agricultural policy and new environmental schemes uh, will be attached to that. Are there particular measures that you'd like to see? coming down the tracks uh, in, in those future uh, schemes, be it eco-schemes or, or agri-environmental schemes, to, to tackle the issues that you've outlined? Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose definitely we would like to see, um, you know, uh, I suppose a lot of, uh, you know, I think there's, there's lots of room for improvement or lots of room for uh, maybe tweaking some of those schemes and um, I think definitely the, the some of the, the results-based um, schemes have you know have been really positive and you know I suppose they're one of the great things about them is that they're focused on, on outcomes other than you know I suppose just uh, productivity maybe and agricultural productivity and they also put a value on you know I suppose other aspects of of the, the farm practice you know whether it's biodiversity and management and you know so I think those kind of schemes to support those kind of uh, initiatives um, are, are, are really positive. Um, I think you know, you know. I suppose there's many other pressures that that we're dealing with that um, that maybe um, I suppose maybe aren't uh, fully um, I suppose supported at the moment. Looking at nitrate as well, um, and, and specific measures to try and tackle nitrate catchments where we're seeing nitrate, uh, those free draining areas. Um, that's got to be a particularly challenging one, definitely. And, and looking at drainage as well, you know, those are those are ones as well. So. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I, I could go on. Okay, thanks for that, Ruth. Um, I suppose a couple of issues coming up around the community meetings and uh, indicate are uh, uh, alluding to the fact that a community involvement can have a, uh, or a community action can have a, a, an impact on water quality where, where a community get together. Is there any plans for follow up? uh meetings or activities at community level to try and and uh, deal with issues yeah um i suppose if you're referring to maybe particular community projects maybe the communities would lead and whether they would um, uh, ha have an impact themselves and you know this is i suppose definitely a concern you know and the, i suppose you know well-intentioned groups may you know that there can be maybe unintended consequences of, of projects or, or, or works that, that can be carried out so, so we would always advise the community groups that are working in, in um, I suppose, or, or intend to do something uh, around the, the river, that they would contact the local community water officer. Uh, and the community water officer then can liaise and provide really good guidance on, on the kind of, uh, you know, on the kind of risks that might be, and also guide them towards uh, sources of information and advice with, uh, with fisheries or parks and wildlife. Um, and, you know, how to best design and manage projects to, you know, to get the maximum benefit, but also to, you know, to kind of, get those other co-benefits, you know, to look at, um, uh, you know, trying to, to manage uh, water maybe and look at, at, at biodiversity and improving that in, in particular areas. So definitely I would say contact the, the, the community water officer for, for advice um, on, on any of those projects. There's a couple of questions in relation to, I suppose, works around rivers and, and the, the management of them. And is there any support available or any prospect of support available to, to farmers and landholders to uh, 
implement best practice uh, in in this area or, or is this something that needs to be looked at? Yeah, there, there is, and I suppose a lot of the, um, the European innovation, the um, projects, the EIPs uh, that the Department of Agriculture are, um, uh, are, are, are supporting, uh, I suppose, are just that, you know, um, and that they are, you know, that they're focused on maybe particular aspects or particular local ish, um, interests, uh, be they maybe protective, sensitive habitats, um, and I suppose those, they are supporting uh, the development of those best practice measures um, and funding them and, and they're I suppose they're very valuable to to the country as a whole even beyond the area that they're particularly focused in because you know they can provide that kind of guidance on best practice and they can maybe trial it at a, at a local scale and, and it's something that we can uh, take and learn from as well. And are you a question there are you working with uh, OPW uh, in terms of some of the management of, of where the OPW have management in hand of, of some of these water courses? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, I suppose it's definitely can be is one of the the, the big pressures on on on, um, on on water quality in areas is is maintain drainage, uh, maintain river channels for for flood relief purposes. So uh, I suppose we would look at that, but I suppose it's, that's also a, an issue at national level that the Environmental Protection Agency and the department would be engaging OPW uh, with. You know, these are the it's generally termed the hydromorphological challenges or the hydromorphology of the river, which is, you know, the physical condition. And, and very often, I suppose, rivers that have been significantly altered away from their natural condition, um, that, uh, you know, it, that it's, it is very difficult to achieve good status. And it's very difficult for those kind of rivers to support maybe the natural kind of habitat that would normally be expected in, in good status waters. So that's, uh, I suppose, part of a wider discussion as well around those kind of hydromorphological challenges and, uh, and achieving good status in those waters. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a very significant conversation that's going on. Just, I suppose, uh, from my perspective, your, your hopes for the future in relation to, um, maybe putting you on the spot a little bit here in terms of continuation or the implementation of some of the lessons you have learned over the last year to two years, uh, things that you might need to do or redesign. Uh, any thoughts? Not Put me on the spot a little bit, I know. You are, Pat. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, one of the, the, the big learnings for me, and I suppose one of the big, um, I suppose, positives really that I'm taking, that I, that I take away, and, and, and I think it's something that we need to continually um, support, is, is the collaboration. Uh, I think, you know, I suppose a huge amount of effort and I think it's impossible to understate that the, the level of effort that has gone into developing the relationships across agencies um, and across the different, uh, the different sectors between, uh, I suppose, agricultural research, uh, the state agencies, uh, like the environmental protection agencies and local authorities. So the, the level of cooperation and interaction that's going on there is, is massive. Um, and and I think it's and through the regional operational committee structures as well, um, and I think that by you know I suppose those groups and those people coming together um, and those agencies, it you know I suppose and, and understanding maybe each other's perspective of, of the river. Everybody has you know their own job to do and is very much focused on that, but um, but through through those structures, um, you know we can kind of develop a shared understanding as well and. Uh, and, 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 and I suppose maybe appreciate where uh, one activity and one uh, it can be impacting elsewhere and you know that maybe with modification that, that it, it can be improved. So I think for me I think the effort that is involved in those uh, collaborative processes I think that needs to be maintained and continued and supported um, and you know I, I have no doubt that it will be. Um, but um, and also I think the public consultation and engagement parts uh, parts of the, the the water framework directive as well you know the engagements with with the communities I think that's also critically important and you know and, and again I suppose I'd encourage everybody at any level to to participate in those uh, public consultation processes I know the uh, department have, have extended the public consultation on SWIMI the significant water management issues paper um, and again, that's that's looking at the, the, the issues that are going to um, inform the, the River Basin Management Plan and that, that draft plan will be published at the end of the year and will be out for public consultation next year. 
So again, you know, I suppose I'd encourage everybody, you know, whether it's members of the public or agencies, to participate in those uh, in those consultation processes, that they are critically important, really. Okay, Sinead, uh, sorry, Ruth, beg your pardon. Ruth, uh, thank you very much uh, for your presentation today. We're, we're out of time, unfortunately. We're slightly over time, in fact. Um, and, and look, I, I want to congratulate you and, and the Law Pro team on really you know, getting this program up, up and running. And there's no doubt about it that there is strength in unity. And it's a great example of uh, collaboration between various state agencies and, and groups across the country. So, so well done on that. Um, I want to thank our production team for today, um, uh, Pat Murphy, um, Yvonne Maher, Noel Meehan, uh, who is, uh, we'll be hearing from next week, along with Joe Crockett on the ASSA program, and also Andy Boland. I uh, uh, want to thank Andy for his uh, support in, in this uh, series. Uh, the, today's uh, webinar is being recorded and will be available on the Chagas YouTube channel in the next number of days, and uh, Ruth's presentation will be available also on the Chagas website. So until next week, uh, stay safe, and uh, we look forward to uh, bringing you uh, lots more webinars over the next number of months. We'll be going through uh, August, and you can see the full schedule available uh, on the uh, Chagas website as well under uh, webinars. If you go to the Chagas homepage and up on the top right-hand corner, you'll see a link for webinars. So thank you again, uh, Ruth and uh, Pat, and uh, we will uh, talk to you all next week again. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.